Hello, everyone, and here is your daily homily from Our Lady of Lourdes Catholic Church. In the Old Testament, the first person that we can pretty much locate specifically in time is Abraham. Around the year 1800 BC, we hear in chapter 12 that this man named Abram, who was 75 years old, was told by God to leave his land and go to another land. And God promised him that his descendants would be no more numerous than the stars in the sky or the sand at the seashore. And Abram would hear this promise over and over and over again for 25 years, even to the point that him and his wife Sarah, who had no children, and remember in Jewish thought, that's how you lived on, was through your children. If you died childless, it's like when you died, it was like you never existed because you would live on through your children. And so it'd be a, a very terrible burden and curse to not have children in that time. And now he's 100 years old and Sarah is in her upper 90s also. And so they probably started to think that, well, maybe this is just a metaphor. But God is very patient. And remember, God's time is very different than our time. We want immediate results. We want instant gratification. And that causes us great problems. And that's what this period of Lent is for us, is to try to deny ourselves certain things or certain pleasures and to put our time in God's hands. And so we hear in the first reading today that God asked Abraham to do a sacrifice because Abraham was saying, how will I know that this will come about? And so God told him to very specifically what kind of sacrifice to offer, and he did. And when he would eventually be rewarded with the gift of his son Isaac, God would test his uh, faith yet again, asking him to offer his son as a sacrifice. Now, it's always interesting to me um, when you read um, Genesis, when God told Abram that he was going to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for their wickedness, Abram gets in this long dialogue with God. What if there's 50 just people in that city? Would you destroy the, the, the good with the wicked? Heaven forbid. And then God promises him, if I find 50 good people, I won't destroy the city. Then he keeps whittling it down, 45. It's like a reverse auction, 45, 40, 35, 25. And then he says, oh, this is the last time. If there's 10 good people, would you destroy the good with the wicked? And God promised him that he would not. Well, we know what happened to the fate of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. But when it came to God asking him to offer up his son Isaac, who was probably around 16 at the time, your only son, the one you love, Abram didn't open his mouth. And he didn't procrastinate. He got up early the next day, and then him and his son went. Isaac had the wood on his back, like a prefigurement for Christ, who would carry the sacrifice of the cross on his back, going through the streets of Jerusalem on his way to the Mount of Calvary. And so Abram was obedient to God always. I, am, I always imagine, remember what I was like when I was 16, and I thank goodness that God didn't test my father's faith. He says, I want you to sacrifice your son, Patrick. Son, come here. Thy will be done. But Abram did this out of faith. What was he thinking? Because he tied down his son. 
And then when he raised the knife to sacrifice him, God said to him, Abraham, Abraham, yes, Lord, do not harm your son. I will one day offer my son for you and your descendants. And so he was testing that faith of Abraham. Did he really believe in God? Because he was, he was willing to give up his eternal life by sacrificing his son because God said so. And I'll bet when they went back home, Isaac didn't give his old man any lip ever again. In the gospel, we hear of the transfiguration of our Lord who goes up a mountain to pray. And he brings with him three disciples. It's always in the major moments of his life, like in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, or when he was raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. He always brought along with him Peter, James, and John. Were they perhaps his best friends of all of the apostles? Or perhaps were they the ones that needed to see these things themselves because they would be leaders of community, uh, communities that would depend upon their eyewitness? Or perhaps there was something lacking in their faith that they didn't, weren't seeing Jesus as he was really supposed to be. We know that Judas Iscariot did not see Jesus through the eyes that he is the Messiah, the savior of the world. He was looking at him to be a political rabble rouser to overthrow the Roman government. And perhaps even Simon, who was also of the zealot party, saw Jesus through the same eyes. But Jesus was to beginning with these three men, Peter, James, and John, and they saw Jesus now transfigured. They saw the glimpse behind the curtain, his robes were radiant white, and then they see him conversing with Moses and Elijah, which represent the law and the prophets, and they're talking to Jesus about the death that he is going to experience in Jerusalem. Now, there's an ancient tradition that says the reason that we have it on um, this gospel on the second Sunday of Lent, there's a tradition that says that this transfiguration occurred 40 days before the crucifixion of our Lord. Don't really know if that's, if that's the truth or not, but it is important for us to look at our Lord through different eyes. And so one of the things I just want to suggest to us is that we can work on three different transfigurations that we need to have. One, that we all see our Lord differently. We all get that singular privilege to see him when the host is elevated. Or when you come up for communion, you are looking at Christ, but he is disguised in the elements of bread and wine that are transformed now to his very person, but they still bear the same color, they have the same taste, and our eyes deceive us. They say only a third of Catholics believe in the true presence of the Eucharist because out of habit, our senses can deceive us. And so maybe what we need to try to do is to, maybe this Lent, spend some time in the Adoration Chapel, not with a book or not with a rosary. Those things are good and well, but just to look and gaze upon the Lord and then let the Lord gaze upon you to look into your eyes. The transfiguration is like, as we said before, Jesus is kind of like the ultimate undercover boss. He comes to earth and he is not recognized because he's disguised like us. And so he assures us, I will be with you to the end of time, especially in the least of your brothers and sisters. So those that are suffering throughout the world, 
That's where we see Jesus, not just in monstrances or tabernacles or in communion line at mass, but we see him constantly throughout the world, but we don't recognize him. And so let's pray for that transfiguration that we will see our Lord in a different way. Jesus went up that mountain to pray, to be in communion with his Father. This is also a time for us in Lent to try to spend some extra time in prayer, to listen to the Father's voice. But many times we're afraid of that because what is he going to ask of us? And it's going to be nothing, it's going to be actually something that you couldn't have imagined. If you get in tune with God, what he's going to ask of you is, he's going to say, I've got to have more cowbell. And only you can give me that cowbell. Those of you that are old enough know what I'm talking about. No one else can play that instrument but you. And so no one else can do what God is asking you to do. He needs you to ring that cowbell. Imagine how different our world would be if we were all doing that. And so if we can just be in tune with the Father's voice and to see Jesus in a transfigured fashion, the second person we need to see in a transfigured fashion is ourself. Many of us have great, I'd say, say all of us, have great self-loathing. There's something about ourselves, our past, our current situation that we didn't quite meet our expectations for ourselves, certainly maybe not our parents' expectations or our siblings' expectations or the world's expectations. The best of us is yet to come. And so many times people abuse themselves by maybe overeating or overdrinking or just being lazy and not using our bodies to glorify God in everything. And so we need to see ourselves as maybe that diamond in the rough, that to the world it just looks like a piece of glass or a piece of quartz, but only an expert will know, whoa, that is priceless. When God looks at us, he sees that we are priceless. We were purchased at a very terrible price, the life of his son on Calvary. And so we need to see ourselves, particularly as baptized Christians, through the eyes of God and not the eyes of ourselves. Many times we can be disappointed about maybe how our lives or certain aspects of our lives have turned out, but God is very pleased with us. Also in prayer, he will say to you, you are my chosen son. You are my chosen daughter. In you, I am well pleased. The third person that I would like for us to see in a transfigured fashion after our Lord and after ourself is that person in our life that is most difficult, the one that we can't seem to forgive, the one that we want to have nothing to do with, the one that we might think, well, this world would be a better place if this person wasn't breathing air on this planet. That means that we need to look at that person through the eyes of God, to see them differently, to look at them through the eyes of a mother or the eyes of a father, to have that transfiguration and so that we can see things differently, not just the potential for a good future for somebody, but what is the good that is in them now that needs to be nurtured through our penance, through our prayer, through our fasting and sacrifice. A great way to do this, if we have a problem with forgiving, again, I invite you a week from today, we'll have Father Carlos Martins. Um, he's a custodian of um, 
the relics of the church, and he will be visiting Our Lady of Lourdes with over 150 relics of saints. And the presentation that he will give next Saturday at one o'clock here in the church is profoundly phenomenal, especially the story he will tell about St. Maria Goretti and the power of forgiveness, how it becomes contagious, that it can spread to cause not just her to forgive her assailant, but all those around her. So if she can forgive, who are we to hold a grudge? And so that presentation will be here in the church from one to two, and then after that we'll go to the Fallon Center, but please come for the presentation at one o'clock to hear his words about the plenary indulgences that we get and all of that, but when you go to the Fallon Center and you'll see th these uh, reliquaries of bones, first class relics of all of these different saints. The largest piece of the cross of Christ outside of, uh, outside of Rome will be here at Our Lady of Lourdes. And imagine you're going into an AS, um, or you're going into, um, into the puppy pound or the kitten pound, and you're gonna go and you're gonna adopt a puppy or a kitten. These saints will be reaching out to you let them adopt you. That's why I never go to a place where they have like all sorts of little kittens and cats because I would be cat man. I'll say, I'll take that one, I'll take that one, I'll take that one. Because when they meow at you and just kind of reach out for you, who can say no? But when we come and pray and fast, and maybe if we can just maybe fast from eating lunch that day. So have yourself a good breakfast and maybe have yourself a good dinner, but maybe fast from eating lunch and come hungry physically and spiritually, and let a particular saint adopt you. And then ask that saint who is God's friend in heaven to be your personal friend. Many times as Catholics even, we have great you know, devotion to the saints, but we just remember them once a year. So March 19th is St. Joseph Day. Happy birthday, St. Joseph, pray for us. And then we don't think of him again till his next birthday. And so we don't do that with our best friends, just call them on their birthday. We will, might want to talk to them every day. So let one of these saints adopt you. When you see the different relics that are going to be there, you will be absolutely amazed. They see Jesus in his glorious form now. And they want to be not like Peter, James, and John that didn't know what to say, so they didn't say anything. They want to tell us. You can't imagine the glory that awaits you, but they will help us to be that person of Jesus for others in the world. So let's try to see our Lord through different eyes, to not just out of habit receive communion, but let it be as if it was our only time we were gonna receive Holy Communion or our very last time. Let us try to see ourselves in a transfigured fashion. Not what our expectations for ourselves should have been, but what God has called us to be, saints in our day and age. And let us also ask God to help us see the person that is most difficult in our lives through transfigured eyes, so that we might not just tolerate that person, but love them and be willing to sacrifice anything for them, as Abraham was willing to sacrifice everything for God.